You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Bashir. And in studio, we have Miss Anna Moss. Thank you for coming, Anna. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, you picked a, a great classic movie that I kind of forgot about. Yeah. So I'm glad that you picked it. You want to say what you picked? Yeah, I picked The Princess Bride. It's my favorite movie uh, of all time. <laughs> I think it is universally beloved. I've never it found is. anyone that doesn't like it. So yeah. I, th- I think you're correct. And I actually, um, I'm getting to the point where I have a, uh, not an agenda when I do episodes, but like I don't always want to. Sometimes the the episode where everybody loves everything about the movie are the harder yeah episodes and less fun. So I I kind of went in to this with a critical eye, and it it got me. I it literally no, I that's couldn't. Great. Yeah, it's it like really is. the writing is great. The yeah. one thing I, I was what used to bother me when I was younger was that it looks. But it looks fake, like yeah, it looks like well, it's on a soundstage. But then it's it's literally the point, like they're doing it on purpose. Yeah. But it, for whatever reason, it used to bother me. I couldn't find flaws. Not, I mean, I guess I, there's there's got to be flaws there. But like, I just I I just allowed myself to enjoy the ride, and it's fucking great. It, yeah. I thought they shot on location. I thought the whole idea was that they were in England and Ireland. When you say soundstage, what parts? Just the the like. The, I always remember, like the, the ship one? when they're on the water. The ship, that sure. looks cl- they're clearly the water's edge is about ten feet behind them. Yeah, true. Um, when they're doing the sword fight, right. um, when they yeah, do, when they're doing the sword fight, it seems like a soundstage. Yeah, there's parts of it where you could clearly you know see the, where the shot where he's climbing up the rope looks really fake too. But that's but that's funny the way like, it is. Literally, doing it's hilarious. They keep cutting back to the shot that looks like fake. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. Like really, and, and you know, comedy. I mean, we've done a bunch of comedies, and a lot of comedy doesn't hold up. And a lot of comedy, uh, the problem with the early '80s comedy is that they didn't know how to make it into a movie, so it's just a series of sketches. Mm-hmm. And this movie is a great movie, a great story, but at every turn, there's funny stuff happening. Yeah, and it's a combo of like great acting and great writing. I wonder if kids' movies today, like Shrek, will hold up like that. Like another comedic movie that has a large ogre kind of thing. It appeals to kids and parents. I think the I think what Pixar does is Pixar because it's cartoons and it's for kids. They're able to tell classic stories because the technology is the novelty. So every other movie they're trying to reinvent storytelling and failing miserably, if you ask me. But at least with Pixar, it's like oh, you can tell a classic story, but it's because the the, the kids are like oh my god, it looks it's a cartoon. So I think Princess Bride is like one of those movies too where the, the novelty of the way the story is put together allows for a pretty classic kind of storytelling. You told me not to touch and it's I okay. touch. It's okay. We'll fix um, it. Keep but yeah, so, so I mean this I mean, saying it's your favorite movie of all time is a pretty – Yeah, and I was really nervous. I don't think I've watched it for something like 15 years plus or minus. And like going into it, I was just like really stressed that the nostalgia wasn't going to hold up. I've recommended – Wait, think, really? You yeah. haven't watched it for 15 no, years? No, I haven't. Why no. do you think you've gone so long if it's like your I, favorite movie? Just because movie? It, it's, it feels perfect for where it is and ah. I was really nervous. Like I recommended I think The Fifth Element and Short Circuit to somebody recently. Mm. And neither of those two movies are things that you can watch now without serious amounts of nostalgia. Like if you hadn't grown 
grown up seeing them, you would never watch them today. In my See, life. I loved Short Circuit, and I have no idea you shouldn't what it would it. be like to watch no. it now. Skip it. Don't really. Do it. I mean, Don't I was a it. big, I was a big Steve Gutenberg guy and a big Ali Sheedy person. Do I have to disconnect this? Hold on, I'll fix it. It's usually you, fine. Sorry, guys. Um, so yeah, so what was it like going back and again, it wasn't even me because I have so much appreciation, nostalgia and like, you know, sort of memories for those movies. I still appreciate them. But for someone who's watching them for the first time, they seem hacky and horrible and stilted and like, they just don't hold up. I don't know if you have movies like that now that you just can't recommend to friends. Uh, well, I, I'm somebody who I believe my opinions are correct. (laughs) <laughs> like my aesthetic choices are correct. Yeah, Peter's a bit of a uh, what do you say, asshole. No, I'm a, I mean I'm a snob about stuff. You like are. That. I'm You're an, a movie I'm an, snob. I'm an intellectual elitist. But um, <laughs> no, sure. Yeah, for someone who's not that smart, it's hilarious. I'm, I'm, I'm smart. Okay, um, very cool. No, 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 it's true. So, though. Peter is very uh, uh, headstrong about his opinions. So I, if anything, I just okay. like assume that it, I'm like, listen, this is great. Take it or leave it. I'm not going to try to convince you of why it's great. So, I actually, I actually did a podcast yesterday where I uh, took apart Godfather Part Two, saying that it's. I think it's one of the most overrated. And it, I look again as a, a child of Sicilians from New Jersey. That was not an easy. I told my brother, and he goes, "I don't think that's a good idea to do the podcast." Like I don't think. <laughs> like people are going to come an for you. Italian thing. Yeah, he goes. I he goes. I wouldn't do that. You're not going to get discounts at the Italian stores anymore. Or well, no, but it's. I mean, I think that Godfather Two is the De Niro part is my favorite part. Of anything, maybe ever, but all the other stuff, you could just throw it away. Okay, but these are critically acclaimed movies. I'm asking about a childhood movie you watched Fair. where you think the nostalgia is so strong that you love it in a way that it, you couldn't watch it today and appreciate it unless you were watching mm. it repeatedly. Like the memory's better yeah, than possible. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if Sandlot would hold up, for example. Oh, I loved Sandlot. Quite... I'm afraid to watch it again. So there are movies that you know I. What? The Sandlot still makes me cry at the end. <laughs> there are, <laughs> I love there are, the Sandlot. There are movies that I've. I haven't um, seen it as a child. It's great. It's great. There are definitely also. movies that I'm, I worry about going back to and I understand that like I'm trying to think of one right my now my memory of them is such that I don't nec- I don't need to revisit it and it might be painful in a way like yeah but we invited her on the podcast but we, so no, 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 I'm, I'm just saying that we like we it's what we're talking about like I so I I moved to Chicago when I after watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off yeah and it literally that movie literally changed was that because of that movie no I I was thinking about whether or not to move to Chicago and I went into a I think I told this story on the pod mm. and I walked into a pizza place and I was debating whether or not to move to Chicago and mm. behind the counter of the pizza place there was a TV and like Ferris Bueller was playing and it was the scene as they're driving the Ferrari into downtown Chicago and I point to the TV and I t- say to the lady behind the counter I was like I'm moving there and that's literally I, I took it as a sign that I should move to Chicago. So then I was like worried about going back to Ferris Bueller because I was, you know, I was 23 then. Like yeah. my life was so different. I didn't know if I wanted to like revisit that. And there's definitely movies from high school that I don't want to go back and watch. But then there's other movies that like, it's funny because not that you necessarily, sometimes you see movies at the wrong time. And it, it's also like with books too. Like you ever like read a novel when you're too young? And then you go back and try to read it as an older person, and you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. I just didn't get it because I was 15. I feel like yes, but also nothing comes to mind. That's a really I think good high school ruins, probably, it probably turns more kids off of literature than anything else by introducing them to stuff that they're too young for. There's definitely books that I read in high school where I was like, ugh. And then I, like, as I lay dying, read that in 11th grade, didn't get it. My teacher explained what it was, and I was like, what? That's all in this book? Now I've read it probably 10 times. In the last twenty years, and it's—I think it's one of, if not the what greatest. What did they plant the seed? That was just inception. Like the, you know, the teachers know. 
I think honestly, it wouldn't be a bad idea for for teachers to give you a list and say, when you get older, try to try to read some of these books, hmm. and then just say, don't do it now. But here's a list of books that later on in your life you might want to visit. All right, that's fair. So I think movies is kind of the same thing. I think seeing movies at the wrong time can kind of spoil them for you. I don't know if this is true. So I saw Island of the Blue Lagoon too young. My parents took me to a movie theater when I was like a very... No, the one before that, I think the original one. The first one. Brooke Shields was a sequel and I think they made like three, four of those, right? This was like the first one I think my parents took me to a movie theater. I was like very, very, very young. It was like the whole thing was just frightening. There was like blood, menstruation. Was there nudity? There was nudity. I just think I was just crying the whole time. Oh my God. And I think that... Did they know going into uh, it? I don't think they knew, but Mm. also I don't think my parents were like particularly Uh, sensitive parents in terms of like where children can and cannot go. As long as I was quietly crying. That's what I was getting at. They were fine. I wasn't disturbing anyone. The tears were silent. Don't embarrass the family by having a a moment in front of, in public. Exactly. It was politely crying. Interesting. So you did enjoy the rewatch. I did very much. Yeah, I was very concerned. It was very precious. It was like perfect in my memory and Mm -hmm. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I think I was trying to watch it critically as well Mm -hmm. and like trying to like criticize the princess for not being sufficiently, you know, self-assured and feminist and fighting. We can talk, we take that angle. There are no women in this movie other than the princess and I guess. Well, uh, Valerie is, and and she's mm-hmm. she's rescued by the the guy. Which is well, this is a fairy tale. Yes, it's true, and so, it's for his young daughters, right? So I read that right. he wrote it for a four and seven year old the at book, the time. The original the book, yeah. yeah. So William Goldman just passed away last year. Yeah. One Rip. of the great uh, Hollywood screenwriters was a novelist first, and then like so, Princess Bride was a novel first, and yeah. then he became a screenwriter. I believe he won two or three Oscars in a row. Like he wrote. Um, he wrote the movie uh, adaption of All the President's Men. Right. He wrote Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, right. which was an original script of his. Those are, I mean, those are all-time legendary movies. Uh, and then those were in the 70s and then in the 80s. He did Marathon Man, which is a big – weirdly a big movie for me. I don't know if you guys – so Nope. So I had, I had the VHS tape. So literally Marathon Man is a, is a movie about like 70s – like it's like Nazis hiding in New York. It's so dark. It's literally these Nazis – come to New York and they're hiding they're hiding in Argentina they come to New York because they have diamonds uh, in a bank in they're New Nazis York. from World War II not like neo-Nazis they're, not no, modern no, the actual Nazis because you're talking, you're talking late the ones 70s that actu- the ones that actually are still in Argentina yes right? so yeah. they yeah. Wow. so okay. the guy I mean conspiracy theory but stuff like it's hard, it's hard like there's a scene it's the movie starts with a car crash like it's and it, it's funny the impression I left on me growing up in Jersey because Dustin Hoffman it's, the reason it's called Marathon Man is Dustin Hoffman is a He's a graduate student in Columbia, and he's a marathon runner. And his brother is somehow entangled with this thing with the Nazis. So then he gets entangled because they think that maybe he's involved, but he's innocent. But he runs around the reservoir in Central Park. And I, as a kid, I was like, oh, my God, one day I'm going to do that. I'm going to run around the reservoir. And it's funny because I started running the reservoir. Not anymore. I'm fucking – I can't run right now. I need to to start running the reservoir. Let's put it this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you should probably start – I was 30 pounds lighter when I was running the reservoir. Regularly. I mean, you ran and got involved in Nazis. You know, I didn't well, want to talk to you about roped, cause and effect. He got roped up. There's a torture scene that involves dentistry. It's like, but it's, a, it's an amazing movie, but it's like a very 70s movie that William Goldman wrote the novel that became, uh, that became the film. But it was, it was such a weird movie for it to be. Like, speaking of movies that are part of your childhood, like, right. I definitely saw that movie when it was an inappropriate mm. time for me to see it. But it's funny because I went back and revisited. It's great. The reservoir in the seventies looks like shit. It's chain link fence. There's graffiti. There's garbage everywhere. Like Central Park now. Like I, I um I call the genre New York is hellhole 
Like all those seventies movies, like Taxi Driver, and all those movies were like literally like New York City is Warriors. an inferno. Yeah, yeah the Warriors is another one. It's yeah. like, but I uh, that's that was my that was the New York that I wanted to live in. <laughs> Do you know? And now it's like you go to the reservoir, and it's like rod iron fence, and it's and you're like getting knocked over by people with their Fitbits going the wrong direction. Well, no wonder you're spending more time in Jersey. That's the kind of New York you miss, you know. I do miss uh, a little bit of that. I don't. I mean, I don't want to go back to crime. I don't like crime necessarily, but necessarily grime. I grime. I like crime not so much. You heard it here first. But um, so William Goldman, like all time great, uh, one of the all time great like Hollywood figures. Right. He wrote a book called Adventures in the Screen Trade, which I read uh, right around the time he died. And it's like all this like gossip about Hollywood. Like he even has like excerpts of like scripts that he wrote. And like he tells you like how, how the movies get made. And he came up with the famous line, in Hollywood, nobody knows anything. Hmm. Meaning that like when a, when a movie becomes a hit, they don't know why it became a hit. When a movie's supposed to be a hit and bombs, they don't know why. Like look, I mean, look at this year. The Joker, nobody saw the Joker being a billion-dollar movie. Like, they literally throw things against the wall and hope for the best. So he was the one who, like, really kind of came up with that that catchphrase. But he's, like, the writing in this movie is spectacular. Like, so many great jokes, mm. but also just the way it's structured, the story within the story. I don't know. I, I was really imp- – I, I didn't think it was going to affect me as much as it affected me. Did you watch it? I was always wondering about The Princess Bride as a name because it's very, again, like, it's for lack of a better term, like, girly. Yeah. And, like, potentially turn off as an adventure film for young boys. Sure. Was it? Like, or I, did see, you guys I, have to be convinced to watch it, it as children? It, I would say, I think, so I was born in 92 and this movie came out, what, 87? Seven. So I feel like I missed the hype because if I, let's say I was born in 80, 80 and I was, like, seven for this, then I feel like. It would have gotten out that, oh, this is a good movie for boys and girls, for everyone, you know? And maybe I would have seen it. But since I was probably, you know, 10 years past the movie's release date when I was, like, of age to watch this movie and even enjoy it at all, like, you know, six, seven years old, I think the name turned me off because I had heard of people watching this movie. And I remember being a young boy and being like, I don't want to, ew, yucky, whatever. But, um... Then the internet hype sort of was like, oh, this movie's actually super funny. It's very good. It's well written. And when I was I probably about 10 years ago, I'm 27 now. So, yeah, probably in high school, I watched Princess Bride for the first time. Oh, wow. So a little yeah. bit late. And it was fantastic. And I knew it was good going in. And it was good. It, like, met my expectations. Interesting. And then on the rewatch, it actually was, like, a better film than I, actually, than I remember. Because in high school, I just watched movies, and if I liked them, great. They were great films. And if I didn't like them, then they were bad films. But now it's more like I have a podcast movies, so I should probably think more critically and through a critical lens and yada yada and all that type of stuff. Um, it didn't make that much money at box office. I it know didn't. it made money. Well, it like did. Be twice. I think sixteen uh, was the million to produce, thirty million to that it made in right. box office, and then most of its success was in like home video. Right, home video. But I wonder, and I know they couldn't have changed it because of the book. But I wonder if the name was part of the reason so. it didn't do as well That's as it could have. That's a good point. Have. I remember Princess I- Bride is like almost like making the toy pink. Yeah. Or making the toys and blue. Girls you know? will watch movies about boys, male protagonists. Do you think so? Is that and how it works? Men will yeah. not. Absolutely. Mm. But I think the. Movie, but I wasn't absolutely. a man. Here's the thing. I wasn't a man. Sorry. I remember being male children, men. Yes, I was a boy. Boy, men taking their like you know sons. Do you to really this movie. think though? There's studies that show that. Like if you oh, look at really? the movies, okay. and they, when even think about TV shows, and they think about sure. whether or not to have a male or female protagonist when it wouldn't matter when the, like the topic is gender neutral, something like Homeland, they will right. often go with a male lead because that is proven. Like men do like for children's. No, 
no, no, for everybody across the board. Uh. Men do not want to watch shows about women. I think to a certain point, I think that married men end up watching whatever their wives want to watch <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So All it right. does it. I got to be honest. I Maybe definitely, there. as I've gotten older, are, am more inclined to watch like, like you know, women driven stuff. When I was a boy, it was almost like the aversion to women that I thought were attractive. It's like, ew, girls are yicky, uh, yucky. Um, that sort of same wavelength was like, I don't watch girly movies. I don't play with dolls. I don't watch female-driven movies. Right. But that, it was a boyish thing. As I've gotten older, I definitely – I love so certain I actually things. think the movie is very – the movie I don't know. I think like addresses that in a very it does. smart yeah, way. Absolutely. And I think – it's funny because I um, – again, look – Looking to be critical, I was like, do you need – like, why can't it just be a, the story? Like, you do you framing. need the framing device? And to be honest, the, this time around, no, the framing works. device was the most effective part of the movie yeah, to it me. It definitely works. And yeah. it might be just because I'm, like, spending time with my grandfather and he's getting really close to the end. And literally, like, the so – I mean, I don't know. Like, everyone – at this point, everyone's fucking seen this movie. So, well, you know, a, as you wish – They tell the, the story through a story. Okay, so the, so the, the grandfather comes to see uh, – Peter Falk, who I Peter Falk is one of the all time great actors, and when you're that like, um, it, this is why acting is I, I love acting, but acting is bullshit and Hollywood is bullshit. Yep. Because if you're a character and you look like Peter Falk and you talk like Peter Falk, people don't necessarily recognize that you're great, and mm. he is great, mm. like unbelievably great. So he's the grandfather comes to see Fred Savage, who was a year away from uh, one, uh, years. one or years. And then, which is this? And this is funny how fast child actors uh, grow. Because I think two years later he did a movie called The Wizard, which I remember, which was like a Nintendo movie. Mm. Like his younger brother was autistic, but was like yes. really good at uh, the pinball. At, or whatever. No, it was like some kind of uh, Nintendo game. Well, but in that movie, yeah. Fred Savage was the older brother, and I was like, in two years he grew like eight inches and became oh. like became like an adolescent, you mm. know? Because he's such mm-hmm. a baby in this mm-hmm. movie. He is. He is young. So the grandfather wants to tell him a story, and and in this in that scene, like he's like, I don't a Princess Bride. It's about kissing and stuff. It's gross. Right. Right. So right. The, so the development he's of the relationship of, of the the grandkid and the grandfather is what the story is really about, and I I could see, you know, every like Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood, and so writers love stories that are about writers. Mm-hmm. So I can see William Goldman, the writer, being like, how do I get my kids to read stuff? And learn stuff that they don't want to. I have to like it's a little bit of like a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Mm-hmm. So I could see him using that to be like honestly at the end when when like Fred Savage has come around and is like, hey, will you come back tomorrow to tell me the story again? After the whole movie, he's like, right. do I really want to? I don't want to hear this story. When Peter Falk turns and says, as as you wish, like it hit me. Like, yeah, it did too. That was like a really emotional yeah. moment for me, like more than anything else. Like I got like I got really like It's an emotional call. And I went back and I rewatched it and because I was like because I I love non flashy acting and I love like listen, I love Daniel Day Lewis, but Daniel Day Lewis is chewing it, it he I would like to see Daniel Day Lewis on screen with another actor of his stature. Ooh. Like, you never see him with a John Malkovich no, or a Benicio true. Del Toro. Like, that's I want to see somebody who could give the shit back to Hit him. Hit it back, yeah, The yeah, closest yeah, yeah. actually uh, seen, and the movie doesn't completely work, but The Master, when you have Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman together, Ooh. is, there's a scene together with them, which is what, it's just, because you have, it's like it's like having two heavyweights that are at the top of their game fighting each other at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did so you it's see almost, Phantom Thread? The most recent I one? I love Phantom Thread. You don't think he had sort of met his equal? So, yes, which was amazing, yeah. because it was, it was like judo. Right. Because it was two women 
who uh, don't they weren't attacking. I mean, he's he's playing such a fucking he's playing a real cunt in that movie, which I love. Like, it's amazing. Right? Have you seen Phantom Thread? Do you no, know I it? never even. Heard so of it's it. it's the last P.T. Anderson movie, and it's Daniel Day Lewis claims that it's the last movie he's ever going to do. Ah, so okay. he plays a a London like co- co- how do you say the word coutier. In the fifties, he's a guy who does, he designs uh, designer dresses in the fifties, okay. but like super successful high end. Right, uh, bachelor. His yeah. sister kind of runs his business and sort of is the matriarch of the family. Mm. And then he meets his match. He picks up a waitress in the countryside, mm-hmm. and they get married. And she basically manipulates his whole. So he's very life. controlling and demanding and precise, and everyone gets in his way. And finally, I think I don't know. We don't want to spoil it. I think for people who are watching, don't it. give away the big How thing. The movie? But the okay. movie is about him getting his comeuppance. Yeah. Basically, okay. they find a way to work together. I think they find a way to need each other. So that's yeah. a very that's a very Who's smart. The actress? Sorry, uh, she was a complete unknown. Complete oh, unknown. So she was brilliant. Vicky Creel. Yeah, because I thought is that what you were saying about him meeting his match? Well, so I mean? thought in the movie, like script wise, like the character met his match. But I think actually. It's like he didn't. He wasn't overplaying it. I thought she w- commanded as much sort of attention mm. on screen but as he the, did. But that again, mm. that was like uh, it was. You know, it was a cool trick done by a filmmaker right. that knows him and okay. knows his habits Could and be, knows yeah. his like knows the history that Daniel Day Lewis is bringing to the table mm. and found a way. I think to like judo manipulate uh, that. And so I. The, this is a, such a convoluted point. Yeah. Back to my original point was I love non-flashy, Moments. good acting. Right. And Peter Falk, if you watch like Columbo reruns, he's so fucking good. Like he, like he, he doesn't he he literally doesn't want people to think that he's smart while he's outsmarting them. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. not. He's. Um, it's a kind of character you don't really see too much anymore. Where it's like, mm. like he's not trying to. Right. Yeah. He, no. You're his, right. His yeah. his superpower is everybody underestimates him because he doesn't have any money and he's he looks like shit and he's dressed like shit mm-hmm. and he's a cop he's a cop and, he, and he's playing he's not playing dumb but he's just like but that's how he always gets the bad guy. He's impressive without being like yeah, clever. So that yeah. so that's such a, a moment that would so easily be forgotten mm-hmm. and not noticed. And to me, as somebody who like loves the craft of acting and knows what goes into it, like. That moment is so beautiful. Like, to me, that sums up the whole movie. I used to, like, here's a way that I watched as an adult kind of differently. For some reason, I was a stupid kid, and I thought that meant that he was Wesley. Like, like I was like, oh, uh, as you that. wish. That's that. him. That's, that's like cool take, the though. notebook, right? You're reading a story, oh, and dude. that becomes you're the story. And I was like, holy shit. What a story that would And be. now I get it. He's just saying, I love you. Right. The way that men do without actually saying it. Wink, true, wink, to Again, true. gender norms. But... But I really I wanna, did not get that when I was a kid. I want to go into sexual politics with you, and I'll, I'll say why in a second. Oh, no. but, uh, because this is going to be a bloodbath. No, no, no I can't wait. Wait, 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 there's so much more to talk about could, the movie before could, we even could, get no, there. No, no, yeah. no, could I, well, but we'll, we'll tie it to the movie. But yeah. I just – can I just talk a quick notebook story? Oh, man, yeah. So notebook I was, like the movie? Yeah. The movie, so. The Notebook. I was in acting school. Um, I did a two-year like Meisner program, okay. and I was totally blocked. I felt nothing. I was like – like my life sucked at that time. It was just I was like compulsively gambling. I just couldn't get a second date. I was just like I was just a shell of a person. And I sat down on my grandmother's couch where I was I was living at her house at the time, and I had my sister's VHS of the Notebook, and of course my grandmother still had a, a VCR. I put the Notebook on, and I cried. <laughs> and if I hadn't I hadn't cried like that, it felt so I was so happy. Cathartic to moment. feel emotions. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of that movie, spoiler alert, when James Gardner, who is another an actor who's completely underappreciated, uh, phenomenal, 
also played a detective on TV at the same time as mm-hmm. Columbo, um, coincidentally. When he realizes at the end that she's not going to come back and she's not, she doesn't remember who he is, I cried like a bait. Like, it was so beautiful. It was such a special... I, I'll tell people to this day that The Notebook is one of my favorite movies. I only watched it that one time. That's a movie that I'm afraid to go back and watch again because I, I can't possibly have that experience again. But it was... It was unbelievable, and, that, and that's to me. That's like the power of the movies, and that's why I think the nostalgia comes from. It's not just the movie and the story; it's the moment of your life that it reminds you of. Even if you don't remember exactly what it is, yeah, there's a sense memory of a time in your life that it brings you back to. A lot of people watch this movie when they're sick, like just like you know Fred Savage. A lot of my yeah. friends only watch it when they're sick, mm-hmm. and there's that idea that your parents are taking care of you, your mm-hmm. mom's cutting you up some sandwiches, you Reading know, like you, you feel really cared for, and sure. you're watching this movie, and there's those feelings of warmth and nostalgia. I don't remember yeah. exactly, but I think that I had, I my memory of this movie is that when I was obsessed with girls in high school and I couldn't figure girls out, I would ask them what their favorite movie was. And every single one of them said Princess Bride and or another movie. Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe I got to see you this movie. You also waited until high school to watch it. I saw it late. I think I've made my point, guys. And well, no, but it, it was just, I, I just missed it. I don't think I, I didn't yeah. say like, I'm not going to see that. I just, but I just missed it. You didn't go out of your way. You didn't miss, you know, uh, Back to the Future. There were so many movies that I. Uh, I did. Yeah, I, know, he, I, I hadn't watched Back to the Future until okay. we did it on this podcast half I a year ago. can't explain you. But he, he's younger. That's it's a crazy. different generation. Different. Generation. No, I was born after the '80s, so I didn't yeah. watch Back to the Future. I didn't watch Princess Bride. That hurts me. But so but there's a male lead. So so it was I a movie that I was it. like, <laughs> I have to figure this movie out. Sorry. And they were. And, and I didn't say like, well, if this is a movie for girls, like, no, I got it like right away. Like, there's only one. No, there's two. Was there two females? I mean, it's in the certainly world? not a movie for girls. I get the title thing. No, no, for and sure. I, uh, my point was again, you guys aside, personal sort of anecdotes aside, mm-hmm. studies have shown this is like factually true. Like in terms of movies or shows, whether it's boys or men, women are more likely to be completely indifferent to watching protagonists of either gender. They will sort of stand either uh, gender, and men will not. So again, I'm sure you guys have examples other ways. I don't know if you want to go through your podcast history and look at like the protagonists of your movies. Oh that no, you I mean. For this, it's but, '80s action movies was our foundation. True. That's true, so. and that's and that's yeah, my, bias in itself. Two of my favorite action stars are Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver, Weaver and, and Linda. We did have a tribute to Sigourney. Sure. That's fair. for about an hour. I, lo- I <laughs> love all day, all day, every day with Sigourney. Well, I mean, fair. look, if that's that's true, and I, I'm sure it is, but um, that movie also tricks you into her being the protagonist. Yes. Actually, and, and it's funny because Aliens. I've decided recently that alien is is greater than aliens yes people keep people keep saying that like aliens aliens is the james cameron action movie version Mm -hmm. alien is the psychological like almost horror film yes i do think alien is better but even in aliens you have once again you have her being underestimated Mm -hmm. and not believed which is like the whole point of the first movie is that they underestimate her and don't believe her and that's what leads to the tragedy happening basically and then it happens it's like they had to rehash it for a larger audience because mm-hmm. they didn't trust the audience to like advance the plot, I guess. But um, no, I, I definitely, I, I think that that's probably true. But in terms of this movie, in terms of the protagonist, it's actually not the Princess Bride, right? right? It's the yeah. pirate Carrie. How do you pronounce his name? Carrie Elways? Uh, Elway? Carrie. I guess so. That's how I read it. So right. a bunch of un, like unknown, two unknown protagonists, we should say directed by Rob Reiner, who Genius. was early in his uh, directing career. Doesn't really get. I don't think people think of him like he's a great. 
people. This think. is Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap is amazing. When Harry met Sally, yeah. yes, people think of him all the time. Oh, but, but I don't think people go, "Oh, Rob Reiner, the great no, movie director." They don't. Yeah. I don't. He doesn't have that cult of personality that like Scorsese or these other guys Not at have, all. or Tarantino, whatever. He and he's actually a lot more inventive than he gets credit for. Like the whole like mockumentary thing. Like this is Spinal Tap. Like that's him. It's like, unreal. Like in terms of innovation, and also like what people don't. I don't know that people know this. So you know, like the Aaron Sorkin thing, like the walking and talking. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Aaron Sorkin, like very talkative, like very chatty, right. and so like his TV shows are are known for walking and talking so instead of having people sitting down having long dialogue scenes he has them walking from one place to another doing that sure. and that that's considered like an Aaron Sorkin thing what people don't know is that is that Rob Reiner directed A Few Good Men which was Sorkin's first script and Rob Reiner said I can't have every scene be people sitting at a table talking mm-hmm. so I need people to be moving so Rob Reiner's the one who actually invented the thing that Aaron Sorkin got credit oh, for that's cool. so again Rob Reiner's fine mm-hmm. he's gonna be okay He's, you know, grew up in like a royal Hollywood no, royalty I get it, but family. No, he doesn't get that sort of elite credit. No, but, no, and yeah. it's and he's also had like a bunch of stinkers in a row. Like it's been a True. long maybe time. Maybe that's why. Maybe he, that's he's why. He's had like I mean again, when you're Rob Reiner, I guess you get to keep directing movies when, when you Stand by Me. I think we owe him like a debt of a Yeah, no, he had a he had an unbelievable the, misery. Yes. Like yeah. he had an unbelievable run. Yeah. yeah. Uh like and great and just and well-made really good movies, not mm-hmm. just like like oh, it happens to be directed by Rob Reiner. Like I yeah. think I think this movie is a really well, like just putting this cast together. Like yeah. Andre, yeah, it's Andre the Giant, unreal. Like, yeah, <laughs> there was mean, an, there was an Andre the Giant documentary that came out a couple years ago, which I highly I saw that, recommend. Yeah. It's un, like again, like a tragic figure. Just like his body was like a curse, and but he came up like when wrestling like became like nationwide and huge. He was like the first real like wrestling star, mm-hmm. and so then you know in this movie like he's hilarious like. A lot of um, a lot of uh, regional stereotyping in this oh, movie, yeah. which I really like. I mean, as Sicilian, like I, I always remember that, like the uh, is it Wallace Shawn, yeah, character being a Sicilian, but I didn't remember that like Inigo Montoya was very specifically Spanish. Spanish. Yep. And there's a lot of, and I I like that. Is that in the book? Or I'm is sure that it done is. for the movie. I think it's from the book. Okay, yeah. so they were intentionally like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very Got diverse, it. and even though the casting's yes. all white, but very. I mean, obviously, like Wallace Shawn is not. It doesn't look like it's. I don't look no, Sicilian, like, but Wallace Shawn really. He was worried because Danny DeVito was supposed to get the role, and so he was oh. really nervous. Oh, really? I read a bunch of trivia about this, and they said that he was like sweating through his scenes because he was worried that he was going to get replaced, and he was just not good enough to be Danny DeVito. Wow. And he was like really stressed the whole time. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why. Um, I was just having a conversation with somebody about this with Francis so Ford Coppola. Like when 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 an artist is afraid of losing their job, mm. they often do their best work. Interesting. So maybe that's what made his performance because he's, he's great, a, but he's good in like everything. Yeah, he, I mean he he's really not is. he's not playing that. But again, he's like one of those people who's not. Um, he's just fantastic. He's he, he really he's is. not playing far from himself. Sure, but he's you're not going to no, forget who it is. It, dude. But he he's really got, does. Dude, Christopher Guest in this movie is so somebody that you would not yeah, rem- like not even recognize mm. is. Unfucking believable. It doesn't. I don't think it does enough like straight acting. Does he do anything that's not straight? I read a review that said that he only does straight acting. He's like Ooh. does comedy roles purely straight, and that that's his. Well, but he. But, so he, that make, that but sense, I would like though. to see him like play a, another bad guy in him. I feel like I've seen him in something else where it's like, oh my god, that's Christopher Guest. But um, he's only four years older than uh, Mandy Patinkin, which I think is interesting because he's supposed to be an old man when he was a young boy, you know, because he comes in for the sword. Oh, yeah. But they're very yeah, close yeah. in age, the actors. Really? Yeah. yeah again, Mandy Patinkin went, went on, like, Broadway actor, went on to uh, be a big star. 
Christopher Guest is married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. For like 30 years. Oh, oh, really? I have such... Since 19... She never told me. 1984. I have a huge crush on Jamie Lee Curtis. Always have. I don't believe any of the rumors. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, don't need to, we don't need to besm- besmite her name. Sure. I've, ever since I was a kid and saw trading, like... You've got a shot, though. I don't know how old he is, but... No. I mean, God bless him. I don't want to... God wanna... bless him. You want happiness with him? Right. Um, You're a good soul. But it, he, I just have always had a thing for Jamie Lee Curtis. Always, always. Like, if I ever meet... Mm. I'll be like... I, I saw Sigourney Weaver once. She's unreal. I wanted yeah, to be she's... like... I, I was like... <laughs> yeah. Do I want to go up to her and be like... No, don't do oh, that. Oh, man. When I was a kid, yeah. forget don't about do that. it. So I did it. I just left you it. You did? That would be so offensive. Like, I don't want to fuck you now, but when no, you were younger... No, 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 no. Peter, trust me. You got to tell her she's great Listen, now. I'm a romantic. Peter's... I would not in any way. No, he would never do that. No, yeah. I would be like, I. you are one of the great beauties. <laughs> All right. That's yes. I, I was like, no, I, listen, even though you have that slightly masculine mandible oh, wow. thing well, going on... Uh, I real romantic. You know, you don't have to... Like, listen, That's kind of what you're into, you, Jamie. Like, I've I haven't seen any celebrities. <laughs> I'm so and, jealous. You and Panties an alien. Forget you about seen it. any celebrities. I saw Diane Keaton's elbow once. It was turning a corner, and everyone was screaming, "Diane Keaton!" That's how I knew it was her elbow. I met Diane Keaton. Wait, you live here, Amazing. though. Right? And somehow I'm You've always missing. I almost well. So the story is, I didn't have sex with David Duchovny because I never met David Duchovny. But he was right outside my office, and this was like. I don't know, 10 years ago, and someone was, you know, they knew I loved him because of X Files. Uh. And they were like, look, he's out there. He's like walking his dog. You've got to go out there. And I grab my coat and I run outside, and I realize that it's right when he just had a sex, like a sex addiction scandal. Uh. Yeah, yeah, like, Which is how you get away with cheating just on your wife. He's ready to go to therapy, right? Yeah, yeah. He was making a thing of it. And I like, was like, oh my God, I don't think I can handle being rejected by someone with a sex addiction. Like, if David Duchovny turns me down, I would die. Like, I just didn't feel like I had enough confidence to deal with that with my life. And so I like stayed in, and I never met him. And oh, that's, man. Yeah, that's the story of how you I didn't have sex just, with David Duchovny. I'm a just huge, said hi. I'm a yeah, huge, I could have. I didn't. That was not what I would have said. I'm a huge. <laughs> I'm a huge. Yeah. I'm a huge yeah. I didn't even consider high as an option. <laughs> that wasn't there, an there are like there are female. I've met. A, I've actually met a lot of my heroes, uh, and I wasn't. Same. I wasn't always cool uh, with them. It's not always the greatest experience. But I did I ever tell you my Piper Parabo story? You're supposed to not meet your heroes. I don't know. But so do you know? Do you know who Piper Parabo is? So she was in my acting class. And Piper, what? Piper Parabo. Are all Pipers hot? What's going yes. on? Yes. Yeah, what is up nobody, with absolutely. that? Nobody I names an name ugly your kid. your daughter Piper or don't, I guess, but if you want a hot kid, That's you know, just go with it, Piper, sure. go with, you know, what's a good hot guy name? Come on, Peter. Off the cuff. What Kurt? do you got? I don't Kurt. I don't know. <laughs> Certainly not Kurt. Actually, Maybe it could be Carrie. Carrie Grant. Carrie what would you say? Uh, Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. Yes, yeah. like an old school Hollywood yeah. type Kurt guy. Russell. What would you say is a yeah. guy name where it's like, oh, they're always handsome. What is that? Like, you know, Carrie. Dylan. Uh, Dylan would be Potentially handsome. Dylan. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. I just wanted to think about so it. So Piper Parabo yeah. was yeah. in my acting Alex class. Alex and Peter? Am I uh, kissing Not, after? You know, yeah. here, here's what it is. I appreciate the ass kiss. Alex certainly not. It's too common. Peter certainly not. Yeah, I don't know one. Good, I, mean, I don't Peter's, know one good looking. Peters are fucking nerds, dude, and they're usually like annoying. To be honest, yeah, you're fine, but you, or you it's know, like Pete and it's Peter like blue Parker. collar. Like, yeah, Pete's like my father. We yeah, don't want to talk about him. Yeah, Pete, Pete's like a yeah, like, like a, a fucking bookie. NYPD cop from the eighties. Yeah, yeah, or Pete. a bookie. Um, or a bookie sure. No, so Piper Parable was in my class, Piper. and I was not like I. Pl- we were scene partners for a while, and oh. I could not like I had to go to her apartment. The time what? when I'm watching The Notebook, living at my grandma's house, I had to go to her apartment on East 13th Street. She's like, she's having like bookshelves installed. Do you know, like she like had like she reads. I get it. 
No, I'm saying she like was like a she was successful and had oh, money. And That's like, what bookshelves represent. No, no, Peter. She, no, she had a carpenter at her house. <laughs> Peter lives Ma- in a box. <laughs> no, but she, she's having like that furniture. She's having this cu- woman. She had bookshelves. No, no, no she's <laughs> having custom bookshelves. Right, right. Now made I get in it. Her apartment that wasn't by an artisan. I'm, I'm on board now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you were lucky we to be there. We would like, and people were like, kids and people in my class were like, oh, so you're you're working with Piper, huh? That was like your dream come true. I'm like dream come true. I like. I was like, can I? play it cool at all and i was not certainly not of playing it cool <laughs> yeah and one of my like talk, like we're gonna get into the sexual politics thing a, okay. lot of, a lot of times guys learn the wrong lessons let me just i'm just, absolutely right so w- w- women for, can, I, can i say something nobody teaches anyone anything except for men da- and women except for dante nero that which is yeah, true. but but it's, no one's gonna understand that reference point is uh, men and women everyone is taught everyone's wrong. feeling it's it fucked everyone's up. feeling in the yeah. dark so a lot of a lot so of anxious the, for the story now okay so a lot wait. of the bad behavior I, I and i don't want to excuse like real bad behavior i'm not talking about actual like you know you know what i'm saying like so i'm talking about awkward behavior like like saying the wrong right. thing sure. being being rude unintentionally yeah. Yeah. standing yeah. a girl up mistreating a girl but like not actually not malicious not being behavior. aware of yeah. yeah sure a lot of it is just being taught wrong so i backstory i, I there was there was a girl that i had a crush in high school and she always had a boyfriend and then she was like single for a like a minute and then this guy who was like the class like he was older than us he like showed up at her house and then this other kid showed up and like scared away that guy okay and so then they ended up the guy who showed up the nice guy show like ended up dating her for the last two years of high school so the lesson i learned from that is that if you're just nicer than the stalker you can get the hottest girl in school so there's a reason that i tell there's a reason that i tell you this story because so piper and i were meeting like twice a week to rehearse in her apartment and then you know we would meet back in class the following monday so say we met on say how old you are in this at this point of yeah 27 28 years yes. but like stunted in my growth got like not it a, not i just a, wanted not, not a mature i knew 20- it was older than people were thinking <laughs> not, not a mature 28 years old no you're um, my age right now yes go on and uh so we go back to we rehearse say on thursday or friday whatever it is and then we go back to class on monday and piper comes up to me she goes oh peter like you'll never guess what happened she goes i got locked into my bathroom she goes literally the lock broke i was inside the bathroom without my phone and i didn't know what to do i was like stuck in the bathroom and I ended up like yelling into the vent, and eventually one of my neighbors heard, called the locksmith, and they broke into my apartment. She goes, but while I'm laying in my bathroom, hoping to get rescued, one of the thoughts I had was, oh, wouldn't it be nice if Peter happened to stop by, because then he could realize that I'm stuck, and then he could help me. And I was like, if I had just showed up unannounced, like this nice stalker from high school to Piper Parabos' house... Me and Piper could have lived happily ever after. So that's a wrong lesson to learn from that story. That's not a good way to be. But her, unintentionally, she was basically telling me that if I just showed up unannounced at her apartment... I get it. I could have rescued her. But that's a quick correction that you would... Someone would make on your behalf if you showed up unannounced 
just once. You know what I mean? Like, I think you could have that lesson, but have you ever showed up unannounced to someone's house uh, and gotten put in your place pretty quick? Like, that's not a lesson you're going to have for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? That might be like a Because a you're week. saying if you put it into practice, right. you would Very immediately, your I'm hand's going to get slapped. I'm scared to this day. Yeah, I, I won't even. We ever have, I've never done that. I just put yeah. my head down and walked the other way. As many <laughs> romantic comedies I've seen that have told me to do that, I've literally yeah. never tried to do that. So. I think that's fair. Yeah, no, because I think you're right. If you do that, in reality, you're like, oh, you get like smacked in the face emotionally. You're so, like, All right, that's- what's the romantic lesson of this movie? Because mm, is question. it that? Because like, we should ask. Um, we should ask Anna. Well, that's what I'm not asking. Because yes. like the story is it saying is it because it's just the two of them and they're isolated? That well, they I think fall- he does chores for her. I mean, that's the lesson I took. I was like, you know, languages of love. You got to do shit. You got to get me some, uh, you know, clean my saddle and uh, fetch me pictures. But like watching this movie, I'm thinking like maybe I should just keep my mouth shut and never say anything. Never explain. Never try to defend myself. Speak softly. Carry a big stick. And just every time I'm asked, just say whatever you want. But the act of service stuff. Did you get that lesson? No, no. You just got the silence lesson. No, no, no. I get get the act of service. My problem is I do the act of service, but then I want to explain you know, what listen, I'm this doing. This is why I did this. Listen, <laughs> and I, I just also want to want, explain. And I also want to be honored in the moment. Right. And That's I want right. to be told why right. I'm right. You are, yes. And also why I, the way I did it was better than the way anyone else. Like, that's yeah. my problem. Yeah. So I think that's I think what you're saying is I'm uh, I'm on board. I would I would that's a lesson I wish I could. The lesson I got was that I'm not hot enough to treat men like shit. Like I want to. Like I would love to order them around and call them farm boys. I just don't have that kind of hair. Like yeah, you know what the hair. Robin Wright, she was perfect. She has princess hair. She is. I don't. She could boss me. I don't find her attractive anymore. Yeah, how dare you? I don't. I didn't find her attractive in Forrest Gump. I would live underneath her, dude. But (laughs) shower. Yeah, I would bathe in her bathwater. What are you? But at that time. That's not Let's my, just do it together. That's not my <laughs> like blonde hair, like regular white girl is not my style at all. But she I is. She yeah. pulls it off somehow. She is gorgeous. Stunning she is in this gorgeous. Movie. Like unbelievable. They look like siblings, which is creepy, but yes, it works. Yes, it yes. works. I was thinking when I watched this, I was like, "Do you ever see blonde on blonde in movies? Like, you ever see like it's two, rare? Yeah, two, yeah. I mean, Game of Thrones the incest. Yeah, mm. yeah. But that's the you point. guys. <laughs> that's the point of that. I <laughs> incest think. is cool now. It is cool now. It's hot. <laughs> yeah. It's 2019. But it's not reproductive incest. We're I all do about think it. blondes are a little bit like, especially blonde men. Are like they're never paired with blonde females. Is that true? She yeah. like it's seen as like blonde men are seen as, effem- as as effeminate. In there's some a, way. There's Brad a, Pitt was a blonde for a while. True, yeah. true. I think it, yeah. I'm not seeing, but this. he was always considered no, like, but it's pretty, like a, yeah, not yeah, han- like not brooding, not handsome. No, handsome for but sure, like, not but not handsome, like a manly, not like, fix dangerous, your tools. dark. I think he yeah. wanted to do those crazy movies because he wanted to not be pretty. Huh. Okay. I don't know. I'm just saying. I've, I've I've noticed that in 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 film and in popular culture, but not in reality. I mean, you don't for, see blonde men with uh, hot women or with uh, no. I do blonde, in reality. In reality, there's, in I mean, reality, you know, sure. Only, I mean, there's Robert Redford. There's Brad Pitt. Like who? Like there's all these like generic guys now that can't even keep track. They're like, all named Chris. Does Matthew McConaughey count as a blonde? Yeah, I guess these dirty blonde types been... like Brad Pitt and Matthew McConaughey. I'm not talking they really always... about them. I'm talking but, about like really like you... Hitler blonde. But they always like, gr- super they blonde. always grime it up. Like they Matthew do. McConaughey is like a uh, grease ball. Alex Skarsgård. Again, that, that correctly, the guy from yeah, uh, he's the tall True Blood. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's seen this sort of a heartthrob. I yeah. guess yeah. But he's paired with these dark haired women, like for sure in that show. Like yeah. pale. I think there's some blondes that he's also you know paired with. I don't remember. I didn't watch, but. 
Yeah, that's, I, that's an interesting question. I've definitely heard a bias from women in 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 real life that they're like, "Oh, I hate blonde guys." I like mean, that's like you're a brunette, and they're thing. just flattering you. No, that oh, can't be it. Can't, can't it, it be can't it? Be that. As a person who's lied to men about this, <sighs> as a blonde guy, uh, <laughs> damn it, you're right. It never, it never stopped me. I was I was dirty blonde. Wait, how did we even get into this? So she was oh. beautiful. The romantic lesson. Well, yes. so yes. actually one of the things I noticed is that they kept talking about how this is true love and it only comes right. like once a century. Like it's so rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In some ways now watching this, I'm like, well, it's very discouraging. That like is, yeah, true yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had it, but all of the other couples, all the other Everyone townspeople. Else. I wonder how struggling. I wonder how William Goldman felt about his wife when he was writing those <laughs> words. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, is it is that something you could get on board with? I kind of think if we're talking about quote unquote true love, I do right. think it's rare. I do think it's rare. Maybe not once in a century, but I think it's once in a lifetime. Maybe I, I like for me like uh, there's uh, there's other movies that I would think of for like the, the romance or like sure. the, the couple or like oh like the, what the love represents. Blah blah blah. This movie to me is more about the adventure. Like I watch this sure. movie for. Yeah, the adventure. But, like, I just, I like the villains. I like Christopher Sarandon as the print. Like, I, I like. The comedy of it. I'm not. I'm not looking at this movie like, oh, what lessons from my relationship. What a great right? romance. Of course. And, yeah, I, and I don't think people would. I think. I don't think that was necessarily the intention. Either. No, right. But I don't. But like again, as like young women watching this movie, are they watching this as like, oh, the great love story of the Princess Bride? Yeah, in some ways, I think every movie mm. we watch that has a love story is kind of mm. the great love story. Mm. I think though, watching this too, like now again as an adult, one of the things I noticed is that his personality changes so much after he comes back. So he's all like yeah. quiet and silent and obedient. Yeah. And he comes back and he's funny. He's like mm-hmm. chatty. Mm-hmm. He has a ton of things to say. He's kind of like almost a Ryan Reynolds kind of like. Yeah. In cheek, yeah, and she does not laugh at his fucking jokes. That's true. That's I true. don't think they're gonna get along after this. This, yeah, is... that's kind of a sad, yeah. like, like outlook. But yeah. you're right; he does come back like a Ryan Reynolds type, yes. like a funny. And to the audience, I think he's charming and yeah. funny. But to her, it seems like she. She's they're in just the like... fire. What is it called? The fire swamp. And he makes yeah. a joke about not building a summer cottage here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she just kind of looks at him like right. he's an idiot. And I was like, wow. I didn't notice that until you just said it. This but you're is right. giving me PTSD from my not relationship. PTSD for my. She didn't laugh at your jokes. Well, she doesn't think I'm funny. We're still friends. We're still like. She literally. I felt. I fell out of a tree in Central Park, and she started Snapchatting it and was laughing. And I was like, "No, I'm. I'm really hurt." And she literally said that this was funnier than anything you've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) And you're a comedian. That's hurtful. She'd been to all the shows. Oh yeah. But then also, like, I wonder about like the being like the the woman being shitty, and then the man just doing whatever she asks. It's like that gives me a little because I've I've been that I've I've been in that scenario where I might be too nice for my own good. Mm. So I like Wesley. uh, I like the second Wesley. Mm. And I want it's like so. What is their love based on? She's shitty to him, and he has um, like undying uh, the, devotion. The one to her. where he accuses her of being unfaithful, kind of Legends of the Fall. Like he goes away for fucking five years. Yeah. He, by the way, after three years, becomes a Dread Pirate Roberts. He could send note or come back sooner. He doesn't. He leaves her completely clueless, and yeah, then comes back sure. and makes a speech about the fact that women can't be faithful, can't trust those bitches, and they don't know the meaning of true love. I personally, that's fair. Am not such a fan. Again. That's it. I love this movie. Everything's perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. But if I was to be critical and Mm -hmm. get into that kind of thing, I would definitely needle it. He almost smacks her. I mean, she is... Yeah, He's she not be- the she becomes like one of the guys too. Like she's like part of the adventure. The crew. She's she's not. She's not doing the adventure. She's being handed off from one man to another. 
She's not on an adventure. She's as, being passed. As she wishes. Well, yeah, she, she is a princess in a fairy tale. And right. I do think that's how princesses are typically, like, you know, their Portrayed. role is, yeah, they're just handed off. But like, she wasn't given any of the funny lines. You no. Know? Like, she was purely, again, a straight character. And she did it perfectly. Maybe you yeah. needed that in this film. I think you did. But, yeah, it wasn't So let me ask you, do you either. think you like this film? Uh, uh, but obviously, you. I feel like, man, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe you're... Th- you're thinking that the way she is portrayed, the way her character isn't given um, any sort of like pivotal lines or anything like that. I mean, she she does she have is. pivotal does lines, have but I mean, like what you're saying basically yeah, that yeah. she's handed off to men. Do you think that? Be- How do you reconcile enjoying this film, but then also feeling like maybe it's not the best film for like women to watch? I mean, I think that's okay. I think it can be one mm. of many things that people watch and consume. It right. doesn't have to be the only story and the only book. Okay. But I think if they were to make a princess movie now, even like Stardust was that movie, kind of like an adventure Mine film too. for kids, similar, Claire Danes was mm-hmm. in it. It was different. Like the, the women were different. They were more outspoken. Mm-hmm. They sort of did the adventure. They were more independent. Like just the way like we would better? make female characters now. I, I like which that move, lean. I like the, the, the sentiment. I like what they're doing now with female characters a right. lot more. But that movie doesn't compare It doesn't to this. compare this to perfect. princess. Right, like it's just yeah. well written, well done, well directed. It's a Again, fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. And I, I, I would agree that the, that the slant towards you know giving the way we're going now is is a better direction. But in terms of movies that have been made or will be made, um, I don't think they all have to follow a certain agenda for them to be good films. No. I don't think they have to follow an agenda per se, but I just think we mm. have a more rich understanding of female characters. And this damsel in distress, like she's always also giving up. When they're in the fire swamp, she's like, "That's it, I'm giving up." True. When you know he's he's leaves her, she like is, doesn't want to live anymore. Uh, right. Her solution is to kill herself or mope around the castle. Like she's not a particularly active, yeah. yeah, a character. It's not particularly interesting. I just think we have. Well, it's interesting. It is interesting, but yeah, but kill yourself. But exactly. it's also yeah, it's damsel yes. in distress for yeah. sure. Um, uh, all right, yeah, no, I, I, but I think that, like, you know, he was writing this for his daughters in the seventies. I think he wrote this in like seventy uh-huh. three. I could be Something wrong, like that, yeah, yeah. but like, I think if he was a father today, writing for his young daughters, mm. I think he'd write different female characters. I was thinking about J.K. Rowling, who wrote, you know, the right. book for her daughter, yeah, and just very different female characters. Right. Granted, it wasn't set in like the Middle Ages and a fantastical period with princesses, but it's just a different story. No, oh, yeah, Hermione's one of the strongest characters in in the Harry Potter stories, and and I think that it's it's written beautifully. Um, and I don't think it takes away from it. I do think that, um, you know, making the princess bride and making the princess character like a stronger character, it's like, I guess they could have done that. Well, but it, when, w- would, it wouldn't have been the same movie. The rodent of unusual. I can't, I can't even watch that scene now. I know that they're mm. in costume. I know what it is. I still like look away. But she doesn't help at all. Like she doesn't go in there. She doesn't slap it around. Mm-hmm. You know, she. Th- there are moments where she could have had more personality and more whimsy. Right. And I don't know how much it would have ruined the movie. Right. Or right. just lend a different nuance to yeah, it. Yeah, because I think it was intentional that she didn't. That right. they didn't She's make terrified. her do that. Right. right. That was her she, role. Right. Now that I think about it, like, I don't know why she's such a prize. She's so beautiful. I know. But like, honestly, I would have re- I would have done all this stuff for Sigourney Weaver. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like. You're a real prince among men. There's more. Like, <laughs> that's, there's, that's just what I, you are. Listen, I, listen, I love. I love beautiful girl. Like, like pretty is very important to me. I'm sorry. I, ah. Listen, you, listen I, you don't look into somebody's soul the first time you meet them. <sighs> When you meet somebody, the first thing you see is what they look like, and uh-huh. if, and then from there you can. T- so it's not everything, but it, it's a thing. And I I have a thing for pretty girls. I get, but 
Robin Wright, she's not. Um, there's a lot of blonde girls that get more credit than they deserve because there's something. There, you know, me. There are me and my friends used to say like, there are more blonde girls that people think are hot, but dark-haired girls are hotter. Wait, so you, than take, you, you take the premise as it is. You're like, listen, if she's hot, you should do things for her. I totally understand if she's really beautiful, but I just don't <laughs> think she's beautiful no, enough yeah, no, for like, the adventure that no, he went on. No, no, I'm actually, I'm actually saying that's the, what I'm, I'm saying the opposite. I uh, understand. Yeah. It's like, all right, she's stunningly beautiful, uh-huh. but she's not. No, he for is me, yeah, she's yeah, not yeah. bringing anything else. At, at her, a certain her person, point, yeah. It's like it's like enough is enough. Like there's argue. a lot of other girls in New York City, right? Like, I, I, could, or, I could go to Starbucks and find another Robin Wright right now. I think this was the true love component that you probably didn't understand. You know? Yeah, like, I think yeah. he had, he had feelings. He did. No, I get yeah. it. Listen, I, again, if for, yeah. as somebody who's often had unexplained irrational feelings towards beautiful women, I totally, right. I totally get, it. and has done stupid things for those women. Mm. I totally get it. Can I try one more thought that I had when I was no, watching let's, this? So let's this go. is a random, not gender, but like uh, mm. he was talking about this book, and he's like, my uh, father read it to me and I read it to your father and now I'm going to read it to you does that mean Fred Savage's dad is an absentee father oh oh shit wait say it again so the grandfather comes in yeah. and he's like well it might be because the dad's at work but I, I just yeah. know. But he's, he does say like look my my dad read me this book and I read it to your father and now I'm going to read it to you that is why doesn't the dad read right. the book it should be the dad doing it should it. be I the just, dad I just think it's it the grandfather trying to bond with the it's probably yes. the middle of the weekday but it's absolutely fair to, to and I I yeah. think a more intellectual observation to, to to go down the road of like maybe he's dead, maybe the dad's not around. I also think possible. That, I also think that you digest lessons from your grandfather differently than you do your father. True, it is You're different coming from your willing grandfather. To list, I, but if it was a tradition that was father to father to right. son to whatever, yeah, why no. does he break it now? He's like your dad was really excited to read you this, but I'm gonna you know jump jump the That's gun. True. That no, true. that is true. I mean, wow, I'd be interested to ask like you know. The writer, like, or, you know. So in the book, I read this. Mm. I didn't read the book, but I read that um, it is him, William Goldman, as a young kid uh, who really loves this book that his father reads to him. And that's then he wants to. That's what inspired him to write Yeah, it. no, no, that's the story within the book. Right? Oh, within like, the book. That's what he tells. Oh, gotcha, so gotcha. it's also a framing device within the book. So it's the young William is being mm. read to the book by his, like, you know, father. And then he wants to read it to his son. And even though he has two daughters in real life, in the book, he's married to a woman, he has a son, and his son is not interested. He passes this book down, his son reads one page and puts it away. And so William Goldman takes the book and he looks through it, and uh, the, writer, the writer, yeah, William Goldman looks through it. Right. And the book is written in the book by Morganston, like the, the fake writer that he made up. Okay. And he realized that there's a lot in there about like politics and really like cultural traditions about the city that aren't interesting. And so he decides to write an abridged, better version, oh. reflecting what he had been read to as a kid by his dad who he realized had done some sort of like live action abridgment. And so he writes Ah. his book in a book, uh, remembering the book that he was read to as a kid for his son. Well, that's and really that's complicated. The yeah. Princess Bride, this, wow. like the narrative so, like, within it. Create, that is very. I didn't know that at all. Creativity yeah. is such an interesting thing because, like Goldman, like again, like Marathon Man, this Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They're such like different. They're so different. Totally they're different. so creative. And he, like with Butch Cassidy, like there's all these like legends of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. But he made this like fun, cool, like '60s cowboy movie. It's so it's so creative. Like, you know, like it's it's amazing. When I like I love being a performer. I love being doing stand up comedy. But part of me wishes that I could just quietly sit in a room and churn out novels. I really like. I wish I had that that um the discipline to do that and maybe one day I will but um, there's something magical about being able to sit there and create 
some whole cloth like that out of nothing. I think I just, I, I, yeah. I, lo- I love it. I lo- I've always um, I'm obsessed with it. And I literally one time I quit a job because I told him I was gonna go right in. I swear to God, <laughs> you're so dramatic. I dude. left. I quit. you are the most dramatic I boy am. of all time. This, this is part of what mis- makes me nervous. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, people, people say men are in touch with their emotions. Peter I'm is drowned so, in his emotions. I wish you quit I, a job to write a novel. Yeah, I wish I could turn my emotions off. Yeah, um, no, you he's crying right now. Actually, I mean, yeah. I was when I moved to Chicago. I was working at a law firm, and listen, I was working as a paralegal. I could have easily. After work, worked on my novel. Right. I, it was a regular job. And I, I made an announcement in front of the whole group. I was like, listen, guys, I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to write a novel. I have to leave the law firm. Wow. <laughs> you fucking dramatic So sap. I... What did they say? They were like, all right, bye, dude. Well, it's funny because it was like... And this is... And, and, in a, I think I've been I've been encouraged as an artist my whole life, which is probably bad. I was like, if they if I, with a little bit more discouragement, I could have been the funniest doctor in the hospital. Is a joke that I say, like, mm. like just you know what I mean. Like, don't encourage your kids to be artists, please. Please, um, if they if they're if they're meant to do it, they'll do it anyway. Right. But like all these like Harvard law grad partners in this like super like high like a plus plus law firm were like, oh dude, I wish. That I could do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, were yeah, so yeah. encouraging yeah. about it. They were yeah. like, "That's amazing," and I didn't write a fucking. Word. <laughs> I went. I had an apartment in Chicago. I I stared at my laptop for two weeks, and then I moved back to New Jersey. And I never wrote. As a quick summary, what was the the novel within you like? Just yeah. like a like a four sentence. What were you going to write? What was the, what was your heart singing at that point? What did you Perfect. think was going to take America? So it's, Perfect question. So. I mean, like every, every like the fucking cliche, it was going to be loosely, it was going to be like a coming of age story of a young man at that time period in in the world. So the funny thing is, in the ten years since, I've lived all these other adventures that should go into a book if I ever actually write it. Yeah. And I, so I, I wrote a one man show, and I think that I could actually turn the one man show into a book. Okay. So that's something where. I'm, I have I have certain goals in comedy right now that I'm working on, and I'm trying to focus because I'm I, you know I can go in a hundred different directions at once. I I want to very specifically achieve certain things in stand up, and success in stand up like affords you opportunities just like success in anything else. So when I have a certain level of success, I want to take the time that I have and then actually read a book tiny follow-up question at what age when you say coming of age story at what age does a man come of age out, out of curiosity it gets later and later all the time yeah i thought are I, you there yet so i was uh i was very adult at 19 21 22 and then i had like seven eight years in the wilderness and so now i feel like i lost those years so i'm actually feel like i'm i actually feel like i really came of age in the last two years oh, which damn. is crazy when I think about it, I, I've, I'm more of an adult now than I was for my entire. Not to age you, but your mid thirties. God bless you. That was um, really nice. Yeah, I'm forty. Oh, okay, yeah. God. and you came of age years. This is the most disheartening thing. Why is it disheartening? Why is that disheartening? As a woman, I haven't come ever of age. Heard. It's I, different. I don't think I ever will. Amen. You guys come of age in your late thirties. Well, well no, I'm 27. I don't think it's coming. It in the didn't. Next 10 you, years. Well, it, it, but that's part of that's the problem of the world that we live in because my grandfather didn't fucking discover himself. He, he went, didn't fucking have a chance. He to. laid asphalt, right. had a wife and a kid in an apartment on you know Third yeah, Avenue. That's it. 
And then he bought, like, like, no English, no education, bought three houses, like... Can I just separate this idea amazing. of coming of age being discovering yourself mm-hmm. and taking responsibility for yourself? I think those are oh. two different well, things. what do you mean by coming of age? So maybe that's the question. But to me, coming of age means taking responsibility for yourself. Well, so, what is that? so I've certainly done that already. But I don't feel like... See, my definition is completely different. I feel like it's You're like... You're talking about self-actualization and... Discovery. Yeah, understanding who you are and getting what you want because you understand that who you are. That might take a lifetime. And that, that, I don't think that it, I'm for that project. I don't think project. I'll ever get that right. So, I, I'm all for that project. So at, I think responsibility is... So at 19, 20, 21, 23, I was backpacking in Europe. I, I drove across country. I moved to Chicago. I got my own apartment. I did all this stuff. But then I spent years in the wilderness where I ended up like living in my grandmother's house. Like my life being... like Like literally going like, how did I end up? like this like i was the guy that was like getting into adventures and now i can't figure out how to move out of my grandma's house that was seven years ago now and then in the last couple of years i've completely remade my life so it, it to me it is taking responsibility mm. and being an adult and being in charge of stuff and being somebody that people can rely on and, and lean yes, on yes exactly but also while i was i was for listen i I wish I could be the guy who just had the regular job and the house and the wife and the kids and and could just do that day in and day. I I in a way it's it's a curse to be an artist in a, in a way. You know, I just I can't do it. I just don't have it in me, but I don't I other people definitely make it out to be much more romantic than it is. What being an artist? Yeah. People no, are like, yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Isn't that great? What you? I'm like, well, yeah, because yeah. nobody. Here's the thing about that. I take a a little bit of a point of contention with you about you saying I you wish you could and but you're just an artist at heart and that type of thing. Either that or a fuck up. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I nobody. You just don't have a tolerance for like real monotony long term. And and I think that nobody that has like a grueling day job like whether that's an office job or a service job or a manual labor job that that actually pays well enough to have a you know sustainable life nobody enjoys that or the few people that do you know god bless them but it's just a tolerance for being able to do that or being forced to have to do that, like your grandfather yeah, or your father. Or using it as to, to get other things that you want. I know, I know. Sure, lot- but, 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 but I'm just saying that, like, everyone, the reason why they react that way, the people that you worked with, the reason why they're like, that's so brave, all that, is because they want to do it desperately. Yeah. It's not that you're an artist at heart, it's that you're willing to take the risk. And you think the risk is worth it, or you believe in yourself enough, or you hate the job so much that you're just saying, fuck that, I'm never doing that. But that does, and I'm not saying you're not brilliant in your way, and you've, you you won a Moth Award, you, you're very, I, I, we've worked together for over a year, I think you were an artist. But I'm just, that's because you've worked at it, not because yeah. you're just innately an artist, I don't think anyone is. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's. No, I, I definitely take your point to heart. I hate my job, Peter. Like I hate. I it. would. Take, I do it I every would take day it in a second. No, you wouldn't. You would quit. You would quit after I'm, six months. Probably true. You absolutely fucking would, dude. It's more than forty hours a week. You're responsible on the weekends. I'm constantly working. I mean, I have a team. I have to. It sucks, dude. It's yeah. the worst thing ever. But I guess to your point, Anna, like taking responsibility for your life, like. I do it because I have to, mm, no. and that's you don't have to. Like let, let's let's just back off on that. You don't have to. There are other choices you could make. Sure, you, but I'm responsible enough that I make that choice. You want to? The trade offs are worth it for you. No, I'm not. I don't want to. 
But given the options you have now. To be responsible. Yeah, right. given the options I have now. It's a life Doing the most responsible right. decision for my life right. is to do the thing I don't want to do. Okay. Then then you're right. We're just quibbling on semantics. Because for me, wanting to, like, you don't have to work this job. And they're looking at no one's putting a gun to your head. You're making these choices. If I want to be responsible, though, if I want to have the things set up that are, you know, right. I mean, like, what does responsible mean to you, I guess? Um, yeah, again, for me, responsible is, again, like paying your own way, being sort of independent, right. sort of moving on, you know, towards a goal. And I think that's all yeah. what you're doing. But I, again, I think, uh, I guess I don't like the framing that like, I have to go to work or mm. like, this is what I have to do. I have to do this job. Like, let's just make some decisions. Like my friends are lawyers and they quote unquote hate their job. Right. They talk about the golden handcuffs, right? Like, what does that they, mean? like that they're paid so much that they don't want to leave. Like they, they need to go to work. They're handcuffed to work. They're slaves to work. They're making those choices. They're making they, those choices because they yeah. like the salaries. Yeah. They found a way to tolerate those- those are the lawyers that I worked with. Like, yeah. and let's let's okay. not pretend that anyone's forcing them, that they have to do this, right? No, they're not being forced. And you sound like you have, like a, again, I, I imagine you're right. There is monotony to the job. And imagine there is parts of it that you hate. But what it's giving you is some sense of stability, yeah. some sense of accomplishment. No. No. Couldn't care less. You don't Mo- think when you said money that why do you think I do stand up every night? I mean, I think there's a. I think you need <laughs> what the creative. Fuck, out- do you think I just went to Queens? I, I absolutely <laughs> think you need a creative outlet. But there was a note of pride when you talked about your team. There was a note of pride when you talked about being uh, relied on on weekends and evenings. I think I heard that that there's some. Aspect no, I was trying that- to convey the uh, how much Peter would hate it. I was not pointing. Pride. Are you good at your job? I am exactly average at my job. Okay. I'm just adequate. Okay. Enough. Okay. Anna, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. That's a deep question. You're still trying to figure it out? Yeah, maybe something like that. Well, is it responsible to waver over the decision of what you want to be? Again, I think as long as you're not burdening anyone, as long as you're not... What about yourself? You I mean, left I think New you York. Have a lifetime and you, to waver, right? You left not New York you and you came money. back. Not if you don't have money. Yeah, sure. that, that's kind of what that's I mean, true. though. I'm not trying yeah. to be a dick about this. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to be like straightforward yeah. and, and honest, and, yeah. and, and I'm trying to understand what you mean by... like. Like responsibility and sort of, you know, coming of age. Because to me, I had a different definition at the beginning of this. Like, and taking now, handouts from your parents for me wouldn't be responsible. Like, exactly. If you're in your mid-20s, right? Like when you're saying like, uh, I haven't come of age, right? Like I think right. if you're, if you maybe you haven't reached your goal, if you haven't figured out no. who you are and what you want to do, that's totally fine. Right. So but if you're paying your bills, yeah. Is that part of it? Coming of age. I, to me, no. To no, me, it no. is, though. I okay. mean, like, those are the biggest parts of it, right? Being responsible for yourself is a huge, like, foundation of it, I think, because you have to be responsible for yourself to to achieve those kinds of things, like your goals and, like, and then discovering, like, who you are or whatever. But, I mean, because like, if you're not responsible for yourself and you don't have handouts from your parents, how the hell are you going to even figure out those things? You're, you're going to be homeless before you do that. I mean, I'm I, – I guess I'm – I might come across dramatic there, but I, I actually mean that. Like, if you don't take responsibility for yourself and, you know, sustain yourself, then how else are you going to figure out who you are? And you know, I mean, there are people things. who, like, rely on others who mooch off people who, it, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, but that's you know, not Are in a constant sense of crisis. Right. And I agree. I'm just saying, to me, coming of age, those stories, like, to me, I don't know, when you're an adult, it means uh-huh. that you, again, have a certain amount of independence, self-reliance responsibility to and for the people around you and whether or not you're living towards your dreams or like self-actualizing every day. I think that's another question Mm. to me. Like, again, uh, 
being an adult means sort of understanding realistically what you can achieve, sort of having some taste of disappointment, you know, maybe not being naive about your, your hopes and dreams and aspirations. Right. There's some amount of, I don't know, maturity, but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily on like fully realize who you want to be. It doesn't sort of uh, close a door to a second, third, fourth career or reinvention at any point. So mm. I, I'm, I'm interested in, I'm interested in storytelling and how storytelling relates to this because stories were used to be lessons and they were like, if you like read Greek plays, like those are, those are life lessons that they were trying to teach the citizens of, you know, th- those civilization, that civilization. So William Goldman, like this is a story about storytelling and it's also a story about because we. It's funny because I this week I I did a podcast on Godfather two. I rewatched Scarface, which we had just done on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about um, in Scarface, Godfather one, Godfather two. Those protagonists are made by an event, and the event in all three is a murder. Mm-hmm. They become who they are because they are the guy who gets put to the task to to murder somebody. And so, like we, like we grow up with those stories, and it's funny because in Princess Bride, Inigo Montoya's one mission is to kill the man who yeah. killed yeah. his father, yeah. and it's so beautiful because at the end of the movie, they have a moment where he's like, "I don't know what to, yeah. to do now." Yeah, and I think Absolutely, that yeah. me being somebody who's like overly emotional and overly romantic, I I over I overly look to stories mm. to tell me how to be and, and what to think and what to do and a habit in, in my life. And so I grew up with that notion of if I only could figure out that one thing, that one mission to go after. There's, um, there's a line at the beginning of Apocalypse Now when, when, uh, when Martin Sheen is like waiting. He's like in like the holding area basically and he's trying to find out what he's going to do next. And he goes, I wanted, I wanted a mission and for my sins they gave me one. And that's a haunting line. And I think that a lot of like – especially uh, like people right now in in the world in New York City right now is we're all, all a lot of us are looking for a mission and unfortunately we're <laughs> because of our sins we're we're going to be given one so like figuring out what that mission is but but the rest of life isn't just that one mission because I guess when Inigo Montoya kills the six-handed the six-fingered man now he's got to figure out what to do with the rest of your life and I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're circling around it's like I know for me it's like Give me a mission and I will 100% dedicate myself to that one thing. It's figuring out how to do all the rest of it. That's the hard part. Mm, that's interesting. You, you know? And so even, yeah. so even, you know, Wesley in the story, like his mission is to save Buttercup. Like that's all. He has the one. And when, if you just tell somebody like you just have to go after this one thing, it's, it's easier than it is to just like, oh, well, t- well, no, you have to pay your bills and you have to pay the mortgage and you have to make sure your kids are fed and make sure the dog's okay. That's actually harder than just 100% focusing on the one adventure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so this, like, the stories, like, they sell you, like, oh, if once, once Vito Corleone kills Don Fanucci, that's it. He's, he's the man. But it doesn't show you all the other shit that goes into it. So if you grow up, like, hearing those stories, you think, like, oh, that's the way life is. But mm. life is a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, I think that's also the marriage plot that these movies always end at the marriage or the kiss, you know, mm-hmm. these rom-coms. And then you're, the question is like, what does the rest of yeah, your life Yeah, that's why I love, I love um, the, the end yeah. of The Graduate. Yeah, yeah. It's like that look is like, what right. the fuck do we do now? Right. Like, it's an amazing no, it's ending. It's one of the most brilliant things anyone's ever done in film, I yeah. think. And it's true. It's very true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's exactly speaking to the point that you're talking about here. Uh, I mean, life isn't like that, though. There is no, I know. There is no like goal that is the end. Yeah. You know, unless you're actually talking about killing someone or getting killed, I guess. But 
I mean, it's not that dramatic. It it, it really is mundane. It's, Maybe it's having that appetite for the struggle. Maybe it's just that finding enthusiasm yeah. and whatever you're struggling for, whatever it is at any point. It's the yeah. It's well, finding a mission. Yeah. 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 But well, yeah, yeah. The struggle is like the journey, right? And it's like it's definitely you have to figure out. I think you know at least we don't have to, but you should. I would I would encourage people to figure out you know what they enjoy about what they're doing day to day like the and if they're not enjoying any of it then you know maybe trying to figure out like what they can change about their life if possible you know to enjoy that journey or that struggle because honestly no one's really happy all the time or really ever except for like some brief moments but i i think that this you know if you could look back on like what you did or the struggle i don't know i don't i'm kind of speaking out of my ass here but it seems like that would be meaningful the grandfather, one of the other lessons that comes out is like, life isn't fair. I think like the grandfather says that at least twice at some yeah. point. He says that, you know, who's going to kill the Prince Humperdinck? Like it has to happen at the end. He did all these bad things. Right. And like, you know, the, the Fred and Savage's character asks like the grandson, like what's going to happen to him? He must get his comeuppance. Right. And the grandfather's like, no, he lives. Like sometimes you, like bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Yeah. Life yeah. just isn't fair. It's not going to hand out. There's no, like, yeah. It's There's just no the logic to morality. Yeah. It's very... In re- in reality, there is no logic. Well, we don't that. know how this, how the story ends. That's when I had a I had a teacher say like we were analyzing plays. She was a script analysis teacher, and she said you can you can analyze a play, but you can't analyze a person because you look at the ending and you work backwards. Right. And so just, with with a life until you get to the end, you don't know what led up to what. So it's hard it's hard to know. Do I go left or do I go right? You know, do I. Eat, it's impossible. To do I eat carbs or not eat carbs? Probably shouldn't or go the whole day without eating carbs and then eat ten nuggets at midnight because I have no discipline. Go ahead and draw really difficult I have questions. No, These are I have no, I, philosophers have pondered maybe, this too. But maybe those I'm McNuggets sure. are have gotten me closer to my eventual where I'm supposed to go. And That's they gave true. this tagline for the movie was something they had a couple of different alternatives, but it was something about they lived happily ever after, but the courtship almost killed them, like something like that. Mm. So the idea was it was framed that their life forever would be. I this. think it ends perfect. And we said it already, like that moment to me is... The kiss? Or when no, the no, grandfather goes, that the, moment. That story. That's the moment. Yeah, yeah. that's the callback. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's the, to me, that's a, that's a sign of, I don't like my art Wrapped up into like ni- nice well, little that's bows. Well, nice, that's a nice bow. But I, so I'm saying I like ambiguous endings. I like uh, not necessarily being hit over the head. But I don't think the audience is being hit over the head in that moment. I no. think because I think the story is really about the, the grandfather and the, the grandson. It's the framework of how they tell the story because it, it ties a bow on the story of the story. But it, it, the other story has the kiss at the end. So it's it, it's really it's not hitting you over the head with it because it's kind of like taking you back out of the story. And then saying, "Oh shit!" This well, because I think because like, the, gran- the yeah, grandfather yeah. wanted the grandson to to learn something without exactly. realizing he was learning something, and wanted and wanted to teach like in a him, fun way. With wanted story. to teach him to be open to things that he might necessarily. This story not like. is about telling stories, like you yeah. said. But the it's, lesson was like also true love. It's not just in this romantic way. It's mm. the grandfather and the grandson. Like that is also love and familial love and unconditional right. in this beautiful way. Yeah, right. I think that's what it meant. That it wasn't mm. just this prince and princess. Like I no. love you too. This tender moment that he's sharing with his grandson. You know, that is true I just love. had an aha. The, he, the grandfather is in service to the grandson the yes. way that Wesley's in service correct. to the It's correct. And, and, and as a emotional. grandfather or a father right. has to be. I have yet mother. to cry right. on this podcast. You should. Let's I'm not going to cry fucking right make I, you cry I, right I cried now. today once. Did you really? Uh, did I? What happened? Yeah, what happened? You okay, boo-boo? Was it Piper? I... Th- 
No. Did you think about it? Did her? she turn you down again? Was you, were she, were you, I think she's married. She's I, I haven't spoken to her in a long time. Mary, I, I wish married isn't dead. Listen, I wish her kill her husband. No, 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 she's fine. No, no, listen, she's, we're coming for premeditated. you. We gotta can make I it an say act this? of passion. I'll come in and murder for No, no, no. We gotta I do will. it randomly and spontaneously. Can I say this? Piper I, Parabot, you guys are my confidence. Piper Parabot is a wonderful <laughs> person, hard worker. She was in class, taking class during the day and doing Broadway at night. Wow. Like a really dedicated, hardworking, smart cool chick wow and i wish her nothing but the best i hope she her and her was she beautiful enough for to go an adventure on would you have uh she was for her? good question stunningly good. so yeah. is that a yes that's a yes i don't think peter thinks anyone's worth it oh damn i'm peter. with you on that by the way when you're as good looking as you are i guess the standard's really high peter's a hot kid yeah <laughs> oh that was a bit of <laughs> i have i have attribute. i know i have pretty eyes <laughs> you do you do they're green they're gorgeous Oh, um, that headshot gets me going, right by the here, way. You Your new headshot, Peter? Those <laughs> eyes really, pop. That's, that's it gets really, me going. That's really what I was hoping for. For Fucking a second, hot. I forgot you guys were in comedy and headshot just uh, sounds strange. Yeah, no, we have headshots. Ah, <laughs> uh, Peter, your headshot. <laughs> Showbiz. Boy. Uh, Is that a this, cum joke? Jesus yeah, Christ. Unfortunately, so, really quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. Anna, I met on Twitter. Yep. We just, ah. we, well, we met today before we recorded, but I started following you on Twitter. You're really funny on Twitter. Twitter is something I don't Understand? Yeah, we think. I is. still like. Th- my problem is, I we have I, more downloads and listeners, like by a, an exponential amount, than followers. Both the well, I don't like. Th- th- my problem is the things that I should put on Twitter, I put on Facebook. Yeah, why do you and do so, that? I don't know. Because I such a boomer. Because it's an echo. It's such the, it's a the, boomer. It's the echo chamber. <laughs> Oh, um, so I, I just like I go on there but I noticed like you're you're very funny you're you're a good writer oh, thanks Definitely. and so I reached out to you and we had like a little like conversation um, and I said I said hey if you're ever interested in, in doing the podcast and so I'm so happy that you came yeah me as well this um, is so fun can and I say probably the smartest guest we've ever had <laughs> Hardly. for real I think honestly I hate to the... say it a lot of comedians dumb they, they, kids they, what, listened, they just let you was, down I started listening to you guys from both ends like the most recent and then the earliest oh, uh, oh, so I'm shit. kind of sandwiching towards the middle I'm a little embarrassed I'm somewhere I'm somewhere with the early ones like someone did a western and it was like a very serious <laughs> unfor- <laughs> unforgiven <laughs> that was tremendous what a tremendous oh, okay. episode I I believe he follows you on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I loved it. Thank I thought you. it was wonderful. Oh, I, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was a series. Yeah, it was one, yeah. it was fantastic. Well, yes. I'm definitely gonna watch this movie. To uh yeah, yeah, to, to much, thank you. much yeah. to some of thoughtful, our, interesting, and I uh, yeah. Much to We s- have a little inside joke about that. Well no, I, say, I was gonna say much to some of our fans' chagrin, every yeah. episode it's hard not. to know what you're gonna get with each episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like so some episodes we go really heavy and really nerdy, other episodes we're like cracking jokes. Yep. And go off on a million tangents. Yep. So it like it's int- it's we almost I think we did like a, a we gave the viewers a oh we gave a little intro to let them know by the way oh yeah that it wasn't going to be funny you guys were really yeah. concerned about that I remember because yeah. we, we were yeah. so early yeah. doing it no yeah. but it was just such an interesting and again I've learned t- from personal lessons now I can't like mock a man's dick for being too small I could send him <laughs> on a journey of vengeance unforgiven is one of the all time great women e- each woman has that responsibility and I take that very seriously now it's mean I, I, it's certainly mean I fucking I clap. A standing ovation, whatever I can do. Any small part I can play to prevent these this kind of disaster. I'm just wow. gonna quiet- Your podcast has taught me so much. I'm just gonna I'm quietly do whatever you ask me to do. I'm not gonna say Yeah, yeah, yeah. And say as you wish. That's all I've learned from wow. any of this. As, Brilliant. As you wish. Well, uh, I, I gotta say, great, you know, I, I, I echo all of the things Peter said. Give Anna a follow on Twitter. What's your actual you. handle? Uh Anna she didn't. A N A she didn't. See, the boomer doesn't know how to plug, but I do. I mean, I so we even, you know, I don't even know what just happened. Yeah, see, he's very he's just watching his old shows. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
<laughs> I'm thinking, do I still have that VHS? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and do you have anything fun going? I have on? a P- bunch. Uh, I don't know if I have them at the ready. Uh, it's okay. This, when are we gonna? When are we gonna? This, this will go out. Well, today's Tuesday. Uh, do we you want to put it re- this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck it. Did we have to edit it? Nah, we're good. No, uh, yeah. this Friday I'll be at the Grizzly Pair at eight o'clock and at Yonkers Comedy Club at ten o'clock. Nice, dude. Um, and then I don't have anything. Big until January, but I have like big shows. Do you have bunch. anything in January? Might yeah, well. I have. I'm doing Ellery's again, January 31st, headlining. Hell yeah, that's in Jersey. Um, I'm going show. out to uh, College Station, PA, with uh, with uh, Rich Aronovich. Um, in shit, what weekend is that? I think that's in February. I'll plug that stuff later. Okay, closer. But that yeah. So this weekend, if you're around, guys, either the pair or at eight o'clock or Yonkers come. At Yonkers, I'll, I'm doing thirty minutes. So that's that would be the show. You're doing thirty minutes, at Yonkers. Uh, what are you featuring? Uh, it's not. It, it's like, like a long. Spot. It's a bunch of like no name comics. So it's not technically look, look, anything. But do you, you have half an hour? Yeah, I've been doing a half an hour a lot lately. Hell actually. yeah, dude, that's awesome. Uh, so I just got Saturday, December fourteenth. Uh, Geek Sauce Comedy Show. It's it's actually a great show, despite the name. Uh, Brooklyn. Uh, it's at Anyone Comics, which is twelve sixteen Union Street in Brooklyn. Uh, produced by my buddy Stephen Pratt. He's a hilarious comic, and the lineups have been insanely good. I mean, they've had like guys like Greg Stone and Anthony DeVito and uh, Mark Norman and my good friend Remy Casimir. So I, I think it's going to be a great lineup. I'm not sure who's on it yet. We should come. It's eight o'clock. December 14th, Saturday at Anyone Comics in Brooklyn. That's the next show. I do have a few things like New Year's Eve and stuff that we're doing, but I, I don't have any official details. Yet. I don't know. But I'm sure we'll have a podcast before New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, and uh, We're recording tomorrow. Oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> oh, God. Why are we doing all this? Because we're dedicated. <sighs> guys, we're doing this for you guys. We're not. We're you guys just, just told me this was fun, and now it was the truth fun. comes out. I've Everything. been working for... F- you know I'm still here, right? I don't care. <laughs> We've been working for 18 hours straight oh, today. Damn. I have, at least. All right, well, let's... So I am delirious. We did our, we did our, we did our work. We earned this one. Did we? Yeah, we did, we did it. We did the thing. All right. I'll I'm happy it. with this. I'm okay with that. Happy holidays, but I'm sure we'll say it again. Every time we go to rap, I, I want to say a quote from the movie. Say and it. I, no, I just Anna. Inconceivable. Yes. All right. All right. Inconceivable. I don't think you know what that means. I do. Bye. Bye. <laughs>